Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Double One Radio Games Cast. We've got an action-packed show for you today, and by action-packed, I mean very slow-paced. So, I hope you're all ready. As always, I am your host Ryan, and I'm joined by my lovely cohort of co-hosts, Brett. Hello, Alex. I'm very excited to be here tonight. And Wyatt. <laughs> oh no, the Western RPG shell is back. Run, get, get, quick, quick, everyone! Rat, grab your giant oversized swords and run for the hills! Oh, he's returned! I have to put my anime hair away. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes the Goku wig. <laughs> Toss out the pomade. <laughs> get rid of that questionably translated English. Get it out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's still in plenty of Western games, so... I'll take my jelly donuts and leave then. <laughs> Fine. All right. <laughs> now that whatever that was is over, it's our 50th episode today. We, we've made a whole 50 of these. Somehow. And this one will be nothing special. You know, <laughs> Brett's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Because we're saving anything special for episode number 52, because that's the one-year anniversary. To the day, actually, because we have oh, wow. we have not missed a week. So, <laughs> it will be... That's Epic Gamer. Uh, but we have exactly missed a while, unfortunately. Past. You know, <laughs> is that really unfortunate? <laughs> oh. I'm, I'm going to say you missed like Wyatt. three Bretts at this point. It's <laughs> <laughs> nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> this is so the Brett conversion Wyatt. rate is three Bretts to one Wyatt. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and there's like twenty bends to a a, a Brett. So <laughs> he's vastly depreciated. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna get started like we usually do with very brief news, but there will be a change in news going forward. Uh, we're only really gonna talk about things now that are either super big, like E3 or, or press conference or like Nintendo Direct type stuff, or uh, things that we're personally interested in, because we we talk a lot about like weird financial stuff, and at this point, there's not there's not that fun. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless the but weird financial stuff is is really really fun, uh, we're not going to talk about it on this. We we might eventually do like a news thing as a separate thing, but that depends a lot on if we have time and all that jazz. So, for now, let's get into the the two little fun news stories we got. So. I, I, I say fun, but this is quite sad for everyone affected. Uh, Rust <laughs> lost every single European server. <laughs> oh my god, what? What? So there was How a fire in their data center in Strasbourg. Went down in, in flames. And oh. every European server <laughs> that was on that data center is completely lost. No, uh, <laughs> that's so sad. How does that happen? A fire. <laughs> In their data center. <laughs> See, this is why most like large companies have backups of servers oh, no. on data centers. I mean, this is like the first time this has happened <laughs> to this yeah. degree, at least in a game that was big enough to warrant uh, it being like a top line news story. But yeah, so so Rust lost basically every European server because of this. Which I mean, is... it is one of the it is one of the hottest games out there right now. But I didn't think it would take it so literally. Oh my god! Why? <laughs> Not even good five minutes back. in, <laughs> and we are already regretting our decision to let him out. <laughs> then, 
Our other fun little news story is that uh, so this is this is the financial thing. Surprisingly, we have a financial story. So last week there were rumors that an EA employee had been selling FIFA Ultimate Team players for real money. Now the scandal there is that EA employees have discretionary uh, content granting for FIFA because they're EA employees, which means they don't have to pay for a lot of this stuff. Uh, obviously we don't have the details of what that happened, but someone was selling players for uh, some big bucks because you, they can be up to like a thousand dollars of real money in that game. <laughs> now EA has completely halted all discretionary content granting <laughs> after those Does that rumors. <sighs> taking away content that people have or just stopping it where it is? I think is. just stopping it. I, I don't think they care enough to take away content. But if if it if you're gonna put your your customers through loot boxes, put the employees through it too. <laughs> Look, I mean, my my big thing. They don't discriminate. Just like, why, 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 why is a FIFA player a thousand dollars? Like, what? <laughs> yeah. If if that sort of like in-game economy didn't exist because of loot boxes, then this problem would have never have existed. Yeah, and, and like EA is just kind of complicit in this. Like, it's a thing they they do. Uh, it's weird that it tends to be relegated to sports games. In my mind, like, I sports are linked with gambling, just, in t just at a baseline. I I'm, feel I'm like just at curious this point. what lets them get away with it. I I would assume maybe it's because like a lot of people that play FIFA, FIFA is like the only game they play because they're, they're sports I, well, fans. They're not really yeah. Do, do you know fans. how corrupt FIFA actually is as an actual organization? Oh yeah, the like soccer organization. Yeah. Yes. I am. My aware. God. I mean, I've played I've played a few FIFA games, and they, they are quite well made for what they are, aside from all the microtransactions and everything. But I don't know; they're they're pretty fun. It's just a little sad when you see this kind of thing, and you're like, "Come on, come on, man! Why why you got to go selling things like that for a thousand dollars? You know, you've ruined it for everyone." It's just it's a weird situation, and with that, the news is done. It, the only other little <laughs> thing is that. Bethesda has officially been welcomed to Xbox, uh -huh. um, and we did get an announcement of this that some, if not all future Bethesda titles will be exclusive, not to Xbox and PC, but specifically to platforms with Xbox Game Pass is the wording. Interesting. So I, what? to me, that means that Microsoft is like putting this on Sony. They're like, <laughs> you either need to allow Game Pass on your platform or you're not getting Bethesda games. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Which is, is a some... power play. Yeah, that is a power play. Wow. So me worried about Elder Scrolls 6 at this point, does that mean not PC? No, PC no, will get it. No, because PC has Game Pass. Yeah. Oh. PC will get everything. Fuck. It's, yeah, oh. it's whatever supports Game Pass. Wow, you, you but, used um... our, our one, one allowance very early oh. on. Oh. Oh, but, oh, you've doomed yeah. the rest of us. Oh, well. <laughs> but it, it's not going to be on Steam. It's just Game Pass then. Uh, we don't know. Like, uh, but a lot of games... Putting games from Game uh, Pass on Steam. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. It's like you can buy Gears 5 on Steam right now. If you, oh. want to. you, you can get uh, the Master Chief collection on Steam if you want to. They, yeah. they, just, they really don't care about platform at this point. <laughs> it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a it's really wonderful. good, I think, yeah. business decision for them because they have so many revenue streams at this point of like, People that don't want Game Pass and just want like Forza or Gears can just get that game on Steam or they can get Game Pass on, on PC and get all the stuff. So 
Lots of fun little Microsoft things. All right, that's it. We did the news. Yahoo, moving on. <laughs> I don't much care for that search engine, but okay. <laughs> so our topic for this episode is is non-traditional storytelling in games. And, you know, I really think the most non-traditional method of storytelling is when we try to do it, because we're all terrible. So... <laughs> I mean, look, I take I take a little offense as a, oh. as a narrative designer. I, I take a little say, offense. I was gonna say, like, looks at looks at thirty planned <laughs> chapters of graphic novel. Jeez, thanks. <laughs> look, it looks Don't at look the script for this episode. Uh... <laughs> Yo, wait, we have a script. <laughs> yeah. Don't, Don't break scripted. the fourth wall. Uh, <laughs> show's entirely scripted. All right. You guys know the drill. Get out of here. Don't listen to the episode later. I will pull you each in one by one. Uh, There will be one complication this time, and that is I will give each of you one more detail that you have to work into your middle part of this character's arc. Okay. All right. Fancy. Get out of here, all of you. But not you, Alex, because you're first. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I thought I accidentally came back in. Nope, I just pulled you back in. So, last we left off in the tale of Iberella, you had described the the haunted dungeon and the many quests that you would be sent on for the dolls. But there was a complication. You see, this character that I am sending you an image of is involved in this this other character's story. Oh. This is Dr. Derrier. Now, you must tell me how Dr. Derrier is involved with Iberella's story. I'd like to know Character. how he got his doctorate. Oh, wow. Okay. I think, um... Oh, is this a little uh, thinking time before that? Or is that just a stream of consciousness now? Uh, it, you can go. You can go. I, w- I will time you for, like, 70 seconds this time. Give you a little bit more time. Oh, boy. Okay, looks like he's definitely uh, part part of like a pastel steampunk cult. cult. Oh, I can add, Daria um, is female. Oh. The angle oh, make, makes it hard. You can't really see the, ah, the shape okay. of the body. She is uh, part of a pastel steampunk, steampunk cult. That is a series of words. <laughs> um, oh, oh, I think, y- y- you know what? I'm thinking after all the dolls have been released from their demonic bonds. Um, uh, Iberella is going to want to go on, on, uh, on maybe some sort of a shopping trip. And this is, uh, uh, this character has a doctorate in fashion. Uh, <laughs> there, there's going to be probably some, uh, some material gathering for a very special outfit. Uh, that's going to be cool. And maybe, uh, yeah, uh, gives uh, people bonuses to fighting abilities and things like that, that you can get after you can, after, uh, you complete this part of her quest. Okay. What else? Yeah, what, what, what's doc- the lead up to the conclusion? Doctorate in fashion. Ooh, ooh. ooh. I think it might involve uh, said doctor as well. Maybe there is uh, an introduction to oh, may- maybe maybe a clothing workshop. That's a dungeon that you need to clear out. Something like that with evil evil clothing. Okay. Okay. I see. These right, boots that... were made for stomping all over you. So that's your time. You're going to clear the evil clothing dungeon, and then next week, or the week after, depending on how time works out, uh, we will get back to finishing the tale of Iberella and Dr. Derrier now. Alex, you may hey. return to the other channel, and I will pull in someone else. <laughs> I cannot wait. 
All right, Brett. Are you ready to continue telling us the tale of Johnny Spiral? As as ready as I'll ever be, I guess. <laughs> All right. So I'm adding a complication to each okay. each of these these tales. I'm going to tell you one more detail that you got to work in, uh, and this is is an actual detail from the game. Mm-hmm. Johnny is absolutely obsessed with Tifa. Okay. Absolutely obsessed. Okay. All right, you have 70 seconds to, to continue oh this arc. Give me the right. midpoint lead up to the conclusion. So, um, this is this is like way further in the game, right? You, you dropped him off at his apartment last time, and he's like, he's gone or whatever. Maybe you forgot about him, but then he shows up again. Um, and... Uh, and his entire his entire hand uh, is a drill now uh, because of okay. the spiral that was on yep. his his thumb, um, and he he immediately runs up to Tifa and starts like talking to her, trying to like, whoa, yeah, my 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 drill is pretty huge, right? Pretty impressive. Could say it would pierce the heavens. And it, exactly. And and Cloud goes, "What the heck are you talking about?" And he just goes, "Man, I really, I just you, you ever watch you ever watch Gurren Logan? I I really like that show." <laughs> Because <laughs> um, they 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 did a, a tag and topic and login uh, tie-in, um, and and Cloud uh, with about the same cadence as the the line he says when Tifa or Aerith like compliments him on the his 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 dress wearing beauty, um, he just says uh, I hate Garen login, um, and then that actually <laughs> triggers a fight with with Johnny, uh, where you have to fight him and his drill hand. All right, you got to prove yourself better than Johnny. Yeah. Good, that is your time. Brett, That's you may it. return, and I will pull Wyatt in here. Well, Wyatt, I hope you're ready to continue uh, the tale of Mithril Mike. Uh, so at this point in your boy. story, you would set up that he would be joining the uh, the group of companions. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Now, it is interesting. I have been playing 7 Remake on the side. So I have, like, not context to this character, but slightly more context to the world and the... Yep. And the central story, which is interesting, which I'm going to try and not incorporate because that would kind of, you know, ruin the whole thing. But I'll see what I can do. All right. Now I'm going to give you one complication that okay. you have to work in to whatever you're, you're, you're doing. And this is a detail from his actual story. Okay. Uh, Mithro Mike must go to a cavern to do something. Go to a cavern. All right. You have 70 seconds to continue the story and get... To the end of arc two of this character's side story. All right, so we uh, we'll pick up right as uh, he joins the uh, the group as they're going off and searching for something or other that I can't remember. Um, and during their travels, uh, the the bridge from one town to another has been completely just demolished, uh, and so they have to go through a cave. Yeah. 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 And as they're in the and as they're in the cave, they're fighting all sorts of baddies. But they realize that this isn't just any regular cave. This is a whole laboratory where they exclusively develop and manufacture giant, hilarious metal chins, <laughs> just like the one on our main <laughs> character here. <laughs> and so it was he that actually blew up the bridge. And sidetracked the entire team just so that they would go through the cave, that they had no other choice. Because this is where he will get his revenge. Ah, on the his man, revenge. On the man that created them. But upon figuring out that he blew up the bridge, the entire team <clears throat> is just torn apart. 
and the man that he's come here to fight has unfortunately escaped and now the team is in ruins because they don't trust each other because mithril mike is kind of uh uh, an asshole so all right there you go so that is part two of mithril mike's chin story let's get everyone (laughs) else back in here all right we have finished our (laughs) storytelling act two which i think all around is is far more nonsensical than the first oh definitely (laughs) i can't wait to see how far off we all are it's going to be amazing (laughs) all right with that let's get into our primary topic for the episode which is non-traditional storytelling in games uh so the way this is going to work it's similar to when we did our level design discussion we'll all kind of pick games we want to talk about uh though this time i'm going to try to keep it limited to a, a smaller section of games so we have a little bit more time to talk about each one since this is a bit of yeah. a bigger uh, topic but go ahead why don't Alex I know you had some burning things you mentioned Ooh. to start why don't you do. start us off because you're at the top of the discord list and that makes it really easy for me to remember who goes next <laughs> I, I had Good. a couple should I just start out with uh, one and we'll be rotating yep okay um let's see first one on my list is a, a little bit closer to the the uh I, I guess the the film version of non-traditional so it's not it's not too far out there but um uncharted 2's uh usage of in media res really ah favorite words yeah. interesting yeah with the uh the the cold open in, in other words uh-huh. with, with... <laughs> oh no i didn't mean to pun <laughs> Oh, oh yes! Look at this. We've already derailed. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I, uh... Wow! I'm training myself to not do more puns. I'm sorry. <laughs> Continue, oh, Alex. This, this is fantastic. But yeah, uh, there. So they, this can do it in film. So it's not too far from untraditional. Um, it, it's just a, a mix-up of the the order of events. So you get a lot of a big feeling of. Um, you know, suspense or, or mystery as to how something happened. Um, in this example, we find our titular hero, Nathan Drake, hanging off of a train, hanging off of the side of an icy cliff. And then right after that, we're put into one of the worst stealth missions in gaming. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real meteor is. But wow, that, uh, yeah, that, that, that cold open still sticks with me with a great as a as a great storytelling moment and why uncharted 2 is up there in uh in uh, my favorite games list it's definitely like one of the few examples of a story that i've seen that's done it correctly because uh, i was watching a movie just last night that that uh, that used that and it was completely pointless there was no there was no need for it there it literally just felt like it was there because it wanted to like make sure the the movie hit an hour and a half. Was <laughs> and it pointless in the way that like it didn't add to suspense or mystery? Of it added movie? nothing to yeah. It added nothing to like the story whatsoever. This was um, the Sonic movie, yes. Yes, yes. Oh. It was. <laughs> now That's maybe I missed something. There. Now maybe <laughs> I was missing something because I was possibly maybe mildly, a little inebriated, intox- intoxicated, right? But um, it was just, I, I, I completely forgot that it was a thing by the time that they had like, gotten back up to that point and mentioned it in like, this weird kind of cringy Deadpool moment where they just like, pointed it out. And it, just, it wasn't funny. It didn't add anything. 
And so, yeah, it's just nice to, (laughs) well, it's, it's nice to see like a story actually use it correctly. Um, because it kind of plays with your expectations of when that moment's going to come, which is cool. So. All right. That's, that's my, uh, that's my first Uncharted 2 mention. Yeah. And what we'll kind of go by here is, is less necessarily games in specific and more like what they're doing. Okay. Because we don't need to like focus in hyper specifically on the games, especially because we're trying not to spoil things. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think another game that does a a similar thing, not quite the same because it's not a different period in time, but opening on an event that you don't really have context for Mm. uh, is Final Fantasy XII. So I think a a lot of people that play Final Fantasy XII probably played through that beginning portion and had like a, a big amount of surprise at the end of it because it opens on a character that you don't really see again after that, but it, you learn why that event is super important in the, the narrative of the game far later. And then you kind of connect all the dots and it's just a very fun, like bit of, oh, that's why that was there and like why that mattered. It's always just a lot of fun to have those kind of things. I can't think of many games that have done the Uncharted 2 style opening though. Uh, Uncharted 4. Well, I mean, aside similar. from Uncharted. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they did. They did that in four too. I would say to a lesser extent in terms of quality, but um, yeah, no, I I think at least in my mind, it's like that's the one example where I I haven't really seen a game or a movie or something that's done it better, in my opinion. (laughs) Maybe controversial, but I don't know. They just utilized it. Memento, technically. Oh man, I haven't seen Memento in such a long time. I can barely, yeah, I can I'd say Memento it. probably is a little bit better, but it's also like that's the entire point of that yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. All right, Brett. Hello. You got a, a non-traditional storytelling method or, or a game that has spoken to you? Yes, very yes, closely. I do. Um, this is, as we all know, uh. It, it 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 is a many things podcast, but it is also a Halo podcast. So uh-huh. I'll do my due diligence yep. and start talking about the one Halo game that tried to do things really differently in terms of storytelling, and that is ODST. And it is my favorite one because of this. But like going, it's it's not really much of a spoiler, but it's just how the game works. Is you go around this abandoned. Uh, futuristic new Mombasa city as the the quote-unquote main character um and there's like things to shoot and, and halo games to play but you you're more of like a detective and you find little like items around the city and then your your character picks them up and then i guess like thinks about them for a sec and then you go back in time to the 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 time where like those objects got there so like in one of the missions you find um like a destroyed helmet in like crashed into a TV through a window at the top of a skyscraper um and then you find it and then you go back you play the mission uh where that helmet like ends up there and through the the city security cameras you see it like fly through the window and crash in and stuff and it's like oh okay um and that that back and forth um is something that's really hard to do in terms of like being consistent and not confusing people with like head hopping between a bunch of different characters. But ODST does it so well. It is that is such a good campaign. Yeah, that's a it, technique I tend to see a lot more in like books than games, I think. Yeah. But yeah. I, I am yeah, ODST is one of my favorite Halo games too. I've been needing to go replay it, but man, it the is best, really, really well done. 
the best way to describe it is like think of a collection of short stories with the rookies like open it world sections being like the the framing device for them yeah it's like a good way to think about it because if you go into it thinking of of it like a central like linear narrative like the other halo games it's 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 going to be a little weird if you're kind of going with that yeah but i would say the only issue i have with it is if is it gives you the opportunity sometimes to play certain um levels like out of sequence so sometimes you'll see like a character here and then that might give away um you know it's like oh i saw a character here so i know that this character at this point in the story isn't going to die because i saw them in a later sequence which is a little bit disappointing but i mean you know nine times out of ten you always do it in order anyways when you're just playing it for the first time and you don't really know what's going on it's yeah i was gonna say i don't think i've ever like done it out of order before yeah i mean it it, it it's unfortunate that it can happen i don't you know i don't think there's a ton that you could have done to avoid it especially because they didn't actually have that much time to develop odst <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other cool, games though. that have used uh, that specific type of like finding an object related to a character and then going back and playing through a section. The, I think the closest I can think of is a uh, Jedi Fallen Order's like object memories, but even then, that's not really that. They don't open up to a playable exactly like. Yeah, I, and I'm sure that I'm 100 percent positive I've played a game before that did a very similar thing, and I've just forgotten about it, which is a shame. <laughs> I 100% remember, like looking at an object and then going into a. It's Disgaea Five. Disgaea Five. So, <laughs> hold with me here. Hold with me here while I. Life comes at you insanity. fast, Ryan. I'm, so I'm holding on. I, I I'm so glad I remember this. So ODST obviously does it more directly narratively. Um, Disgaea Five has this wonderful little system called item dungeons, where every item in the game, down to like the most basic consumable has an entire set of dungeons inside of it, should you want to go inside them to, to do some weird stuff to that item. And you Items can like, have dungeons in, the, in them? Yep, and it's, it's like themed as you are rewriting the consciousness of the item <laughs> to be better. Oh, no. what? <laughs> it is bonkers. Uh, but yeah, it's a really, insane. really helpful... Not helpful, but a very interesting thing because, like, your characters have things to say about it. It's contextualized in the world as being a thing that happens. That just objects have worlds inside of them, <laughs> which is a, a lot of fun. That's pretty really cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, I wish I, I knew more games that did that. Uh, all right. If that's all we have to say about ODST, then I I got something for us. Some spicy takes. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so far we've been talking mostly about plot I want to talk about game mechanics and how they make the, the stories non-traditional and we've talked a lot about the nemesis system before uh, so I'm not going to use the nemesis system for this example but it's the nemesis system is like the primary thing you think of when you think of like emergent character stories of like having characters that are completely randomly generated uh, that you kind of grow relationships with over time but what I want to do, I want to talk about Crusader Kings as a whole. Uh, primarily three, but this applies to all the Crusader Kings games. So for those who don't know, Crusader Kings is a strategy, grand strategy series where you play a line of royal people and try to essentially either conquer the world or do whatever you want, really. It's a sandbox game. Uh, but all the characters are like 
affected by traits and have similarly to the nemesis system a lot of like effects based on their background based on their childhood based on like birth defects uh the the relationship of their parents uh so you can have like a child right that that will be your next in line and of course because because this is like a feudal game you have to deal with rights of like who will get land when you die and because you're playing through a lineage and not just one character you have to think about that well in advance and you know you only have like 50 to 60 years of playing as that character before you need to figure out what's going to happen when your kingdom fractures when you die so what you can do is do things like set your child up to go to a school uh and be taught by like either a, a priest of whatever religion is there if you want them to be very priestly and be able to like essentially tax everyone very heavily through tithes <laughs> How priestly of you. How priestly. <laughs> How fable of you. Of course, you could also make your own religion that's like a, a, a giant cult of uh, cannibals, but <laughs> that's entirely no. up to you. Oh my um, god. But my favorite thing to do is you, you put them under your spy master so they can learn intrigue. And then what you, you manage to do is if when that child has been raised up, the next generation, when they inevitably become king and ha you have siblings you got to deal with, because they're taught an intrigue, they now know how to murder all of their children, all of their siblings. <laughs> so they can oh. then recollect the entire kingdom. And then you realize that that's kind of how history worked. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's startlingly realistic. <laughs> Which is fun, because all these characters are, are based off of like real historical people, until of course they have children with random people. Um, but your baseline is basically like the lords and nobles that existed in the region, uh, European regions and history. So, like, you can start as King Harold, and then uh, try to... inbreed Henry VIII. <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's a lot of fun going through that game and, like, seeing what happens, because there's all sorts of, like, events that will pop up, where it's like, uh, you find a dog in the wilderness. Are you going to name it uh, and take it home with you? And then your dog can eventually either, like, run away or become your faithful companion and then eventually, like, pass away, and your character gets, like, a debuff when the dog passes away that's, like, lost a companion. And then I get a debuff, too, because I lost a companion. <laughs> but it, you see, if you're playing the game and you have the dog, you get a buff that's like every couple of years you might go do a cool thing with your dog and, and be better at something or be more charming because oh, nice. your dog is with you. <laughs> so <That's> realistic! <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's super intricate, and it tracks all of these relationships in the, in the menu so you can kind of like see what all of the characters think of each other. Um, and there's all sorts of cool ways to manipulate it. And I just think it's like probably the most advanced character system that exists right now. And th there's a lot of narrative to it because of all the events and whatnot. But the, the fun part is that this is legitimately something that only games can do. Like yeah. there is no other medium that you would be able to accomplish uh, that specific thing. So I think it's super interesting. And it's on Game Pass. Crusader Kings 3 is on Game Pass to play for anyone who has it. So, absolutely recommend it. Alright. Sounds like it was designed in a mental hospital. <laughs> the people of Paradox are complete madmen. Like, yeah, well, oh what's, this, what's this business about the dog? That That's not escapism. That's what actually happens in real life. <laughs> yup. And of course you can have a cat, but if you get a cat and a dog, they might accidentally kill each other. So no! <laughs> <laughs> 
so yep there are a lot of decisions that you get to make over the course of that game and many of them are not so great uh, but sometimes you get to murder your evil cousin who stole your land from you so in the end it's all worth it <laughs> so just like in real life just like in real life <laughs> hey wyatt what's up hey i uh i, I can I... I can sense that you've got You've got a topic for us to talk about. I do. I got a bit of a. I got a bit of a weird one for you. It's a little. It's a little out there. It's a little spicy. Um, does anyone remember the TV show Defiance? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I remember. I that. played Defiance. That was my next question. Has anyone played the MMO? Yep. <laughs> yep. I did for a little bit. I played a it lot of actually, Defiance. It's actually kind of cool. Anyway. Here's uh, so so for for those of you listening uh, who don't know, Defiance was a sci-fi TV show that came out. Oh man, 2013, 2014. Something I want to like say that. 2014. I yeah. Like right. um, and there was also a companion MMO of the same name that came out around the same time, and they actually had this really interesting cross-media uh, sort of storytelling plan where uh, what players did in the MMO and you know, certain missions that they would do would affect the TV show. And if their, um, you know, if their player became, you know, it's like high enough level or a certain kind of like, you know, something or other, I, I, I don't 100% remember how it works. But basically, if you were an active enough player in the community, your, uh, your character from the MMO would actually show up in the TV show. And then the That's events cool. of the TV show would then affect <gasps> the events in the game. It's really interesting, and it's so sad that the show never got off the ground. I know that the MMO is actually still has a pretty like uh, solid community. Because it's only it's one of the only like shooter MMOs out there. It's super interesting, um, but yeah, the the game is still going, but the TV show uh, isn't, unfortunately. And it's so it's so sad to see because I think it's such an interesting idea. Um, super uh, ambitious as well, and just something that we don't oh, see anymore. And um, I actually th originally thought when um, Quantum Break was coming out that they were doing a similar thing where they had a TV show segment and they also had a video game segment of the same story, but it was just a TV show that were basically just cutscenes for yeah, the games. So, so I, mm. to be honest, I'm not entirely sure why they even did a TV show. It was probably show. cheaper. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That makes sense. <laughs> um, Surprisingly, I would bet. But yeah, just having two different um, ongoing sort of um, media entities that were affecting each other narratively is such an interesting idea. And because of how um, prevalent, like really quality TV is now, I would love to see uh, I would love to see this done again because I, again, I think especially because everyone's at home right now and they're utilizing streaming services. And because just streaming services in general are a lot more prevalent now, I would love to see that done again. Obviously, it's super expensive to do, and it's very like complicated. But I would love to see another attempt at it. I'm I'm like legitimately kind of surprised that Disney hasn't attempted something. Seeing yeah. as they own so many like game and movie properties, like a Star Wars one, I think would instantly have a player base, and like you know the TV show would do well. Um, yeah. Can you imagine a Mandalorian-esque Star Wars game with the TV, with a TV tie-in? Oh man! <laughs> don't don't say the numbers. Don't say the two numbers. Oh, oh, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> but 
but no, I think it's really cool. And uh, cross media storytelling is something that I'm super interested in, but it's obviously something that's like super difficult to do, but absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the closest we've gotten to succeeding is the halo books <laughs> and Warhammer yeah. books. <laughs> I think yeah, all yeah. 40 or so of them. Nope. <laughs> and I mean, star Wars is like kind of doing it. <laughs> it's just, it's just because it's a, it's a, a property that has its, that has eggs in a lot of different baskets. Yeah, nothing's really changing be, because of either of the other end. It's all just canon. But yeah. you know, if if they wanted to, they could do something like that. <laughs> be... Guys, don't you remember when Disney said that all the multiplayer battles in Battlefront Two were canon? Don't you remember that? Uh, wait, that's a thing. They said that. <laughs> yes, they did. Let's just they did, like forget that they said that. That was hilarious. <laughs> I, I, they they definitely just like silently took it back because it is the oh hundred percent that someone could say oh, I could see them saying that for foolish. like for like what's it called uh, assault or galactic assault or whatever it's well for called. like each map is a battle that was canonically fought but not each it's, battle yeah but they they said every single like multiplayer game then yeah no that's classic yeah. <laughs> all right all right anyway. Star Wars get off your high horse. Okay. <laughs> Hey, Alex. Get off your high, Tauntaun. No. Oh, God. Yes, Ryan. <laughs> you got something else for us? I do. The most unre- the most reliably unreliable of narrators. The stand... Um, oh, yeah, we said we weren't going to mention games. Um, no, we, we can mention games. I just can. don't... I want to leave time that we can talk about other games that do similar things. Yeah. yeah. Basically. Um, oh, oh the, the way that narration is handled in the Stanley Parable. Absolutely. Mm. That is with, with the narrator just being so reactive to your 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 choices and actions and lack thereof as well. Well, also the narrator having like their own motivations yeah, and not yeah. necessarily being impartial. Like, I, very few other games have done that. I think uh, Hades gets a little bit close at times. So does Bastion. Supergiant likes that kind of thing. You also have games that do the reverse sort of situation where that where uh what you're doing is directly as a result of what the narrator says right? oh yeah so a good example um Would you kindly well there's that but i'm thinking more of something like um if anyone's played uh call of war as gunslinger because you have the main character who's narrating your journey but sometimes because he's telling the story to some uh you know to some people at a tavern he like puts in a few more enemies here or there or someone corrects them on something so the like uh oh. the level design changes right in front of you stuff mm. like that it's super interesting they did it a little bit too with to uh, they did it a little bit too with immortals i wish they had gone further with it because every time they did it which was like two or three times in this in the story content it was actually really cool but i wish they yeah i wish they had gone a little bit further with it but it's always cool to see like the narrator kind of um almost acknowledging that you're playing a game. <laughs> and so it just kind of like changes the level design and kind of keeps you on your toes a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, Stanley Parable especially is super interesting because of the way that like the game uh, minor, I don't know if you would consider these spoilers or not, but it doesn't really have a proper like correct ending. There's so many There's just of a them. lot of different like routes you can take and they're all very unique. Mm-hmm. Um and topical because Stanley Par- Parable's like deluxe edition is coming out soonish in the next couple oh. of months. Wow, look at that! Totally planned. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> coming out with a, an updated one with a few new story things, which is fun. 
Um, more story. Yeah, more Stanley Parable. I, I mean, don't that's know if I can just a good that. thing. That's a lot. Uh, and yeah, weirdly enough, coincidentally, Alex, I think you, you might have seen this yesterday when I was uh, streaming fourteen, but uh, Final Fantasy fourteen started doing that. <laughs> Um, the the portion of the game I'm at is is narrated by a character that you meet, who you don't really know the motivations of, but they are like narrating your journey through the different zones, like fully voice acted and everything. It's very interesting because I don't know where they're going with it yet, but it's exciting to see. Was that when you were with the dragon? Yep, that was a dragon. The, the dragon know. area. There were many dragons. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cool little thing. Uh. Just like unreliable narrators in general are very fun to play with with games because there's a lot you can do of having like Stanley Parable where like things will change depending on where you go based on what the narrator said. I know Antichamber did the same thing. It's a lot of fun. Chamber. Is that all, Alex, or anything else to add to that? Um. Yeah. Un unreliable narrators was my next big uh, uh, big one that I wanted to talk about. All right. Hey, Brett. Hello. You ready? Um, as ready as I'll ever be. Uh, <laughs> well, I, because I, I, I've been, I've been kind of thinking of these, um, not, not super exactly, but more along the lines of things that games can do, but like movies and stuff can't, at least like not without stretching what can possibly be done with a movie. Um, but like different, like different endings is something that is pretty it is a lot more common in games than in other media that aren't like choose your own adventure mm. books like those goosebumps books that you'd be able to like look at the the number on the bottom of the page oh, and be yeah. like go here if you want to do this or go to this page if you want to do that i mean those are basically games anyway so it's yeah in their own way oh, um I miss those. but like to the to the point where, like, the the only reason that that near exists at all is oh. because it's like ending. <laughs> I was gonna end bring that up of the Dragon Guard. <laughs> like, I was gonna games. bring. I was gonna bring up near Automata actually. <laughs> it's, and like, e even the near games themselves have like endings going down to like like halfway through the alphabet. Oh. <laughs> it's like a bunch of different requirements and stuff to do. Actually, them. they and they cover the full alphabet. Really? No. <laughs> yeah, the, didn't know that. the only ones that are important are the the first like five letters, but yeah. After that, there's like goofy ones of if you eat the wrong thing, your character just dies. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and you get like okay, ending you F for fish. your OS. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> that's great. Um, but yeah, that's like it, it's kind of almost become like a a commonplace thing with a lot of kinds of games now that just let you have a certain amount of interaction and w w with different kinds of interaction in different situations it's like okay well every single person isn't going to do the same thing so maybe we should make a different thing happen yeah. and then if you do that enough then you realize oh well maybe we should have a different ending and you know you can't really do that with like a movie or something because then what you're you gonna make you gonna make people buy the snyder cut another ticket <laughs> you're gonna well, make I, people I mean, buy the snyder cut like even <laughs> even with that stuff i mean i think it is the, far more affecting the the closest that movies and games have come to becoming one thing as far as their interaction goes, I think, are, are things like Detroit Become Human and Heavy Rain and things like that. Mm -hmm. 
But even then, uh, but those, even then those, those games, games can tell a story in a way that movies can't by having yeah. like your your actions affect the outcome in very meaningful yeah. ways. But yeah. they are presented uh, visually very much like movies uh, because you're not in full control of your character, definitely. Yeah, uh, and I do want to point out something game. interesting with, with Nier specifically in that it's one of the, the few games where like there are multiple endings, but there are multiple endings that are all not quite sequential, but important to the true narrative of the story like to get the full effect you're supposed to play through like endings a through e <laughs> yeah because they all are very important and kind of form the full picture of what was going on uh yeah which is crazy crazy cool because uh near automata for many people that don't know and haven't played near automata near automata ends and then has the sequel to the game built into it it's <laughs> a lot of fun cool. <laughs> straight up with like a, a, a not even a title drop but um, a like cutscene trailer <laughs> for the second it's, half. It's a wacky game, to put it simply. Mad <laughs> man. Yep. You can. You can. Can't you fight one of the game devs as a boss? Yes, that was in the DLC, though. It's not uh, part of the main game. Uh, as you do in most video games. Yeah, of course. That, that's in a lot of games. I know Yakuza has done it before. Um, I feel like GTA did it at one point. I know Saints Row did it. Yeah, lots of... You lots rescue of Kojima in Metal Gear, I think. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. What took you so long? It's like, well, <laughs> you know what, buddy? <laughs> All right, anything else along with that, Brett, that you want to talk about? Uh, No, not really, because there, there are so many games that have like different endings and stuff. It would take We could do a whole episode about that, but it would be very spoilery. Oh, absolutely. So. Should probably stop talking about it there before Discuss we Discuss every alternate things. ending of every game we've played and then some. Oh, that would be a 10 year long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, my next bit, actually, uh, I, I'm swapping it around because, Brett, this ties in well with what you were just talking about is games that have that multiple playthrough, uh, the replayability are, are like designed into the game. Mm -hmm. For you to get like extra stuff out of it, uh, I think the best examples of this are like Zero Escape, um, Isomnium Files, uh, Near, obviously, but games that have more than one playthrough that you can do in different orders, but to unlock like a quote-unquote true ending, I'm hesitant to use that term because it doesn't fit a lot of the scenarios, but it gets the idea across of like to get the full story of the game, it's it's playing with the idea of like the player as an entity that is doing multiple playthroughs. Uh, and I think my favorite example of this is Bravely Default. I'm not going to spoil what specifically happens for those who haven't played it, but Bravely Default uh, makes a very interesting decision partway through where you replay significant portions of the game slightly differently, and that also caused a lot of people to quit the game because oh. you are just replaying a large portion of the game like four times. <laughs> and if you aren't okay with that... Uh, you may not have the, <laughs> the stamina to finish the game, especially on 3DS where you have to play it on the small screen. Um, but if you do get through, there's some very interesting payoff to the repeated cycle that you're going through and like the whole idea that the characters themselves are like questioning why you're doing it. Um, and and kind of like the idea of the player just being almost an entity in their own right 
of when they're going through a story, it matters what order you do things in and all that. I think it's a lot of fun. It's very interesting to see that in minigames. Oh, has no one else played a game like that? I'm, I'm trying to think. That's the thing. A lot, a lot of this science is me trying to be like, what games have I played? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> well, I didn't I... make a list for this and I'm regretting it. <laughs> I, I have patience for a lot of things in games. I don't think I've run into one where that's one of them, though, so I don't really think I have much experience with that. Yeah, Alex, you need to uh, play either some name files, 100%. Yes. And yeah. That should be up, on, up there on your list. I think I've only played one of the Nonary games on my DS once through. Um, I don't. I didn't know there were, or maybe yeah, I just forgot that there were multiple I things. I believe there are three of them. Uh, I, I should know because I've played them. <laughs> you know, sometimes those Japanese games all blend together. <laughs> I I think. I can't believe you said that and not. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I think the the best example that I can come up with for things that I've played is uh, the the Dark Souls games have a pretty like you know they're pretty long and also because isn't like Bravely Default pretty pretty difficult as far as JRPGs go like Dark Souls is definitely yeah. up there too obviously because of haha the joke um, but like yeah, you do if you, through, it, you backtrack a lot you you backtrack a lot but like you can finish the game. And then there's like built-in new game plus levels up to like new game plus ten, and they each have oh. like more and more enemies being added and stuff. Um, and each time, like you know, if you didn't know how to save this random NPC the first time, well, you can learn their story for the next time and then do it so that you can get the special item that they get instead of just ignoring them because you know they they pushed you into a hole and made fun of you and while being that they're the bald ones, so maybe they shouldn't be making fun of you. Very angry at Patches. Um, but yeah, that's the only kind of similar example I can think of. Yeah, I would definitely recommend that anyone who hasn't played either a... Oh, and I absolutely forgot the biggest example of this, 13 Sentinels. That is oh. <laughs> literally oh, what 13 yeah. Sentinels is about. <laughs> uh, but that's like that's like still one playthrough though that's not going back through a different playthrough is it uh what well, the way i would put it is it's it's playing through i would consider each character like their own playthrough essentially mm, okay and that and I, I don't necessarily mean now. like a playthrough playing through the same thing again but having multiple complete stories that you finish to yeah. get like the whole picture uh so yeah i think that that's a super interesting aspect of of something games can do that really isn't doable in other media i mean memento is probably the the closest uh to that that film will likely get but yeah that, that's my take on it so wyatt yeah hi you got something sitting <laughs> in the wings ready what it do? uh i do it's 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 you know within the same ballpark of what ryan and brett have been talking about but um it's, it's, it's a little bit more broad in the sense that I love how video games can play with context in a way that movies and books, for example, can't. So perfect example, um, Witcher 3, there's a side quest. This isn't a main story quest, by the way. This is a side quest where because you're a monster hunter, people are like, hey, there's this werewolf at this like uh, monastery type place. Can you go and kill him? And you're like, okay, cool. You can just walk in there 
and then kill the you know the werewolf in there and then just skedaddle and collect your crowns and get out of there but if you really spend the time to talk to people and it's it's completely unprompted but if you spend the time to talk to people search the environment and stuff the entire quest changes like your the goal of your quest completely changes as you learn more about what happened here how this creature got here and everything surrounding it and i don't want to give it away uh i'm going to keep it spoiler free but if you really spend the time to kind of look around the story of that side quest becomes much different <laughs> it becomes a completely different kind of quest at the end of of it depending on how much you take the time to look around it was one of the coolest moments i've ever had while playing a game because i literally spent four or five hours just running around and like collecting information and like trying to build a picture of what this entire situation is in reality and not just the simple kind of version that you're given. And it's, I, you know, there isn't a specific name for it, but it's just how video games can, uh, can mess with context that I think is really interesting. Surprise environmental details. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to, to look at it. And, and obviously like a lot of, um, games or specifically RPGs that has like, uh, multiple endings will deal with it, but I've never seen a game that dives in as deep as it does because it's, especially because mm. it's so unprompted. It's like, you know, there's uh, there's a little bit where you read up about, you know, some people here, some people there, and then you realize that there's like a group of people that you ran by earlier that you had no idea was actually part of this quest. So you like run down and then you talk to them for a bit and you run back. It's just, it was so cool how it used the entire space and it took so much time to create to kind of uh, slowly piece together what's actually going on. And again, totally unprompted. You could just go in there and kill the thing and then call it a day if you know you were a little bit more uh, impatient. Yeah, so. it's, a, it's really cool when games do that. I, I'm playing through the original FF7 now because Wyatt is playing through Remake. So I figured it'd be a fun little side-by-side -side to do. And surprisingly, the original FF7 has an instance like this that's a lot more minor. Um, it's not quite as... Uh, like life or death as that kind of situation, but it's still a, a cool little side quest where depending on how you, you do things, you may get certain items, you may not. You might talk to characters and not really learn what's going on with them. Um, it's basically just like learning more details. You, you won't fail like the main missions or anything, but you'll, you'll miss out on context for some actions that happen uh, and some characters that are like being set up for either later on or just as characters that live in that world and like contextualize why well, i said that i said contextualize very weird there <laughs> but contextualize i wasn't gonna say anything things that are going on in the world um but yeah i always it, i love games that do that yeah and even you don't have to you know we've been using rpgs as an example but another good example again i'm not going to give any anything away is the original Last of Us actually does this I was really, really well. <laughs> it's super, super subtle. And again, if you're not paying attention and you're not spending more time in the environment, you know, you wouldn't notice it. And even if you do, it's it's something that's really, really subtle. But it it has the ability to completely change the way you feel about the ending. You know, the hotly debated ending that many people have different interpretations about. But I think if you play through the game and you kind of uh, pay attention more to the sort of collectibles and journal entries that you pick up. I think a lot of people are going to view that ending very differently. All right. Hey, Alex. Yeah. It's, it's your moment, your spot. 
in the in the oh. light. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's bright. It's blinding. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. I turned I'm being the, drawn the floodlights on. This is. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go. Um, you gotta so, say something at some point, Alex. The, uh, the, the, the exact opposite of um, what I was talking about before with the narrators. Uh, absolutely no introductory story at all. Um, not even being dropped into uh, in media res in something. Just being plopped into a game world, almost. Um, with no justification for actions or motivation while you're in there and this is I, I find this a lot more in um in older games because they may not have had the the the, the means to yeah um i'm not sure of any recent games that do this as much as i've seen them done it before but my my, my big example uh for this is mist mm. mm-hmm. and then you, you, you get some inklings of story uh, here and there, and it all eventually builds up, and then you get the uh, full motion video cutscenes. Um, but ah, there, there's I I I have to be in a certain mood to enjoy just being dropped into a game world to to see it, um, and to just do whatever, not even in a in a sandbox type of sense. But it, it sometimes it can work, and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I would. Uh, the one big example of this kind of thing I think is Pathologic and Pathologic 2 oh of, of where a game utilizes that specific feeling to enhance like the experience of playing the game uh, Pathologic 1 kind of fails because it's super old and janky and generally just a frustration to play which is part of the narrative but at the same time like if your game's frustrating enough that no one's going to finish it then you might have an issue uh, Pathologic 2 is much much better in that it's actually like got enjoyable systems and very engaging gameplay, but it kind of drops you in, and it's like, hey, you're here. You got to figure out what's going on and fix it. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, Breath of the Wild almost does the same thing, but you get a bit of explanation there. Um, but that's only after you play around for a bit. I mean, the explanation really comes when you're talking to a certain character that they kind of show you at the beginning, but you totally don't have to go talk to him for the longest time if you don't want to. I know, but you're still locked to that little section of the game until you do. That's true. Whereas Pathologic, true. like you are dropped in there, you have free reign, go do whatever you want. But now, uh, I haven't, if you mess up, you might blow up the world. So I haven't oh. played. I haven't played this game, but it seems like um, Outer Wilds would do a similar thing, where they just kind of drop you in without an explanation. Now, again, I haven't mm. played it, but but to a degree they they don't tell you what's going on with the whole looping thing but the game's marketing kind of spoils that so I, okay but if you went into it completely blind you hadn't seen any marketing or you know uh migs talk or anything like yeah. that <laughs> you wouldn't you wouldn't know is that correct uh yeah not for 20 minutes or so <laughs> so you, you'd have 20 minutes of that experience fair enough yeah i i really like the um you know, no story at first. You can choose to go out of your way and build it up and find things. Or sometimes, you know, the story is almost completely hidden in Easter eggs. I mean, that's part part of why uh, people love place. like Fallout New Vegas so much is that you can kind of just ignore the main stuff and go do all learn more about the world and like just figure out what's going on in your own time, which is a lot of fun. Very uniquely video game. I'm trying to think of like specifically 
NES games that just kind of drop you in because back then there wasn't a whole lot of there wasn't the kind of technology to really tell a story Most in the same of way. Them did. Zelda does. It just kind of drops you there. Well, no, even Zelda has kind of like a beginning little like scroll, like a little text scroll of what's going on. Um, a lot of them have like either like that beginning scroll or like the story is in the like, on, on the back of the box on the or box, something. Yeah. yeah, in the manual. Well, perfect example, Castlevania. All they give you at the oh, beginning totally. of the game oh. is just you in front of the castle and that's it. And then you're just on your way. <laughs> it's yeah, and that that's like, you know, it's not even oh well the games games are those games are so old, they do such better now. It's like legitimately, you know, at the time, that's kind of the only motivation you need. You got the castle, yeah. it's full of stuff, go kill it, have fun. Yeah, yeah and it's full of recognizable movie monsters. You're yeah, yeah. automatically gonna want to kill them anyway. <laughs> Recognizable movie monsters like the Doula Hand, <laughs> <laughs> the Flying Hand. All right, hey Brett. Hello. It's that time of the episode where you gotta talk. Oh, not again. No <laughs> <laughs> uh, time has come. Kind of oh along the the same lines that we've been when going down. Uh, I don't I don't know what to to call this in a in a terse little little professor migs term that i can say i coined this term because it's not like environmental storytelling it's kind of like it's it's beyond like secret surprise environmental storytelling like it's like i'm i'm thinking of like shadow the colossus or like dark souls where like the game Mm -hmm. came out on in shadow the colossus case the ps2 and people are still like analyzing it and not like in in you know the the narrative that's their way like specifically the narrative that is not their way like going around this huge empty world and like trying to figure out like oh that's what this structure is for is that's this that's what used to be around these mountains or like a colossus that wasn't in the finished game was going to be around here and oh. that's why the game doesn't point you to this area with the 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 glowing sword arrow thing but there's this huge arena here that's very intricately made and stuff but there's no colossus here so why why is that then okay out of what of the beta colossi which one was going to be here and like people have been doing that for you know the past 15 years that the game has been a thing and it only gets like more intense um with the the remake that blue point did oh yeah because they they knew that and they put even more <gasps> detail in like Ooh. it is like it but is they insane. didn't put a colossus in the coliseum uh no they, they didn't add any extra uh colossi but ah, that, darn. just because alex just because they said they didn't doesn't mean that people will still look for it as if there is one <laughs> which is beautiful like you can't have that in any other you can you can physically read between the lines as much as you want to find like extra meaning or whatever but you can't like go inside like a movie screen or something and explore a world and fully analyze everything about the society that this world is a part of just from the ancient structures that they left behind like it is it is complete and utter crazy person talk but it is so interesting to see people who's like entire internet like lifelines are just completely built up off of only only analyzing something like shadow of the colossus or only doing like super deep lore explanations of of dark souls or something like that 
it's impressive work. It legitimately, it is, it is, it's pretty, it's pretty scholarly. Um, it, it feels like uh, archaeology in a way because it's not like the the devs are going to be like Ooh. pointing you in in a direction. Well, there's like, also a, they're not. there's a classic design thing that a lot of people I think that that haven't been exposed to like design theory don't think about is that oftentimes designers will intentionally make something without knowing the purpose of it so that people will speculate and maybe give cool ideas that either could be used later or that are just like Ooh. something you will always question like why is this here what's the purpose you could you could argue the entire lore behind five nights at freddy's was made in that way <laughs> <laughs> yeah you really could you honestly literally could i hate that because, you're right <laughs> because no. in many ways the fan base and and the uh, countless matpat videos were the people that actually oh, created the lore behind that game <laughs> Yeah, I think what's this more purple guy I'm like hearing about? Oh, Dark Souls that was already mentioned. A lot of the Dark Souls lore that exists is not necessarily from the games directly, but from like people kind of taking pieces that may or may not have actually been intended to be related by the developers. But of course, they might have put them there so that people could relate them if they wanted to. Yeah, and like I, I bet the answer is that FromSoft doesn't know what like <laughs> the lore is behind a lot of this stuff because it's more fun if they don't. It's it's more fun to see what people come up with. Um, and so encourage that kind of creativity. What's going on with Elden Ring? You are incredibly. <laughs> yeah, you're you're getting Alex. very quiet. Oh, oh boy, what what's going on with Elden Ring? <laughs> oh, um... so we didn't talk about this yet. Elden Ring did show, not show, a trailer leaked that oh. was like an internal development trailer, and not a like public trailer, which is why people were like, it looks very janky because it's an internal development trailer. <laughs> uh. So yeah, we we haven't really talked about that because it's not honestly a lot we can say because oh. it's like a weird angled video that's super hard to see. <laughs> yeah, progress. It's definitely I the think. thing is though is that I I don't I don't know if there's going to be any argument here, but it definitely looks real. Yeah, it's a real thing. It's yeah, the, to fake something like that would take like and as much effort you know you might as well just make the rest of the game at that point if you're gonna fake a trailer that looks like that yeah and i mean thanks for for talking about that brett because that's not what i was gonna talk about but it is fun to always talk about like the weird marketing stories that kind of build up around games to kind of create an image of a game that maybe doesn't exist or really twit Tilt your perception of things. Uh, but that's Where a whole other can of worms. <laughs> that, that's mm -hmm. a, a podcast worthy thing on its own of talking about <laughs> really? like the the whole cyberpunk mar being marketed <laughs> as the game that it isn't. No Man's Sky oh, being same. marketed. We already had the cyberpunk episode. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about it again. Look, we still no have, we haven't done the cyberpunk cyber episode sky. yet. <laughs> we we still have, have planned to do that, but at this point, I think we want to see how if patches work out first. <laughs> So, How many more months until that's supposed to happen? Uh, it's happening now. <laughs> it, it got delayed because of the, the data breach, but it's happening. Uh, Alright, so yeah. Uh, my next topic, I think, is something that every type of media plays with, but games can play with it in a very unique way, and that is morality, and like questioning decision-making and, and whether or not things are uh, inherently good or evil. That kind of question is, is just super nuanced in video games uh, and a lot of games kind of ignore it like your, your Call of Duties your most JRPGs most RPGs in general actually like you would think they're the genre that is ta primed to tackle that question 
but very often they undercut their message with the fact that you're murdering thousands of creatures <laughs> all the time um so i actually want to talk about like very specific like games that can really play with that um i've mentioned pathologic before but it is a game that plays with that where you're, you're presented at certain points of like the game's not making you ask this question but a character tells you if you go kill another character they'll give you food if you don't get food you will die if you die you can't do your job as a surgeon and heal the town so is it then the morally correct choice for you to go murder a child to get food or is that still inherently worse than essentially letting the entire town die because you're the only person that can save it because you would die so I, that kind of question making in the decision making process where there isn't necessarily a correct answer um, I think is something that you can really only explore in that way with games mm-hmm and like it's but super just, rare to see a game that takes advantage of that uh but the ones that do are really really unique um like ghost of tsushima like tries and then has the issue of <laughs> you, oh. it has the same rpg issue if you've murdered a thousand people by that point um <laughs> but yeah it's always fun to see attempts at it and i feel like you oh go ahead Alex. sorry i i feel like you've described something from vampire Vampire. Oh, vampire. Vampire. Um, yeah, Vampire is a very interesting don't nod game uh, from the, the Life is Strange devs. Uh, where anyone in the game, you, your character is a vampire and you obviously would use blood to like get more powerful. Uh, but you have to choose like who are you going to drink the blood of. Um, yeah, your, your character is also a surgeon or something, aren't they? And they've taken yeah, a Hippocratic he's a Oath. He's a doctor who's taken the Hippocratic Oath. Uh, it has to deal with the fact that, first of all, somehow he did become a vampire um, against his will, so he doesn't want to to drink blood or anything. But uh, it it is constantly playing with that that process of is it moral for you to make the decision? And then it runs into the same issue of, again of you're murdering a lot of people in that game <laughs> with, with a with your machete. So oh, um, I think most of them are like evil monsters, so it's really not that. <laughs> morally challenging but still it is an interesting quandary of like yeah you you need to drink blood from someone but who who are you gonna do it is it gonna be the friendly like nurse is it gonna be the dude who owns the shop <laughs> and what kind of repercussions is that gonna have and i think you can you can make a uh, a super interesting kind of like morality conflict when you tie uh, the outcome of the story directly in with uh, gameplay and directly what you're doing. So uh, an example that comes to my mind is Dishonored and how you can just kill everything in your path in order to get to the end. But you killing those people will actually you know, change the ending. And it's not just like, oh, you come up to a story moment and you have to pick between two things in the moment. It's something that's constantly being judged as you're playing. You kill a single person in there, you get the bad ending. Yeah, it's the same thing with um, Metro, Last Light, and and Exodus. Is that oh. the ending? It is kind of dependent upon like, do you just run in, do you kill everyone, or do you kind of you know take them out silently and just kind of knock them out rather than uh, just outright kill them? Yeah, I think the stuff I want to specifically give props to are, are the games that do it without the structured narrative. Mm-hmm. Of like making the moral question something that you, the only person who can answer that question is yourself. 
Mm-hmm. And the the game itself is not making a judgment on what you're doing. Um, like that that's part of why that pathologic example I think is so good because there is no no point in the game where the characters will judge you for making that choice. Uh, mm-hmm. The only judgment you have to give is your own. Like as a player, are you capable of doing that? Even in like a digital setting, uh, where there aren't necessarily consequences, I, I think that's a, a far more powerful <laughs> method of, of philosophizing in games. Definitely, um, and it's super I, rare to see. I'd like to be able to explore that more when I get some good games that can do that. But at the same time, I don't like hurting the feelings of code. <laughs> <laughs> well, and see, I end up being, I end up doing Paragon stuff all the time. But you see, in that vein. you haven't been pushed to the point where you would need to yet. Like that's the the key is that the game needs to be challenging, or not necessarily challenging, but like built in a way that will subtly encourage you to to make those kinds of choices um but not overtly like that that's vampire's problem is it's very overt in the fact that if you don't drink blood you're just blanket weaker but at the same time if you're good at the game there's really no point to drinking blood because all you do is dodge everything (laughs) i i think the witcher if i'm understanding you right i think the witcher has some quest lines that get sort of a sort of sort of close to that line of decision making yeah, the, the um, Witcher has one big example of what I'm talking about, which is um, your ending can vary based on your interactions with a specific character. Right, uh, right. And you have no clue that it will vary until the the end, which is mm-hmm. the kind of thing where, that I think is important. Whereas a lot of the yeah, side quests will... There's no indication. Yeah, a lot of the side quests will very clearly have either a good ending or a bad ending, which is the kind of thing I like to see games avoid, is like not, not having I a would, black uh, and white ending. Not all of them, though. I mean, the... the uh, the quest that I mentioned at the very beginning with the werewolf creature doesn't have a correct, like morally good or bad ending. There's, there's quite a few of them and all of them are like, at least for me, when I was going through it and applying my own kind of morals to it, it was like, well, you know, this one has like, they all insinuate different things, but it's never, you know, black and white. I, I think the, if I know the one you're talking about, yeah. If you go through, finding like everything every little bit of detail to make the quest go on for as long as possible and get what may be the i guess the 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 true most investigated ending um it still feels horrible yeah well yeah, anything it it's like any sense. decision you make feels like not the right decision <laughs> but it's like it's almost like which one is the least bad <laughs> yeah exactly and that's what i'm specifically calling out as the thing i like to avoid is having a situation where you need to question what's least bad um after the fact like well well that's what i'm well, that's what i'm saying though it's like the one that i found least bad was because it was my own set of morals there's someone that completely different from me that would find the most like least bad ending to be a completely different kind exactly. of exactly i think you morals. you picked that mission because it was the, it's the best example of that Mm-hmm. And, and there's not many other cases in Witcher Three where missions have a a like endings that are gray and not um, specifically good or bad. A lot of the missions in Witcher Three have specifically better endings. Mm-hmm. Should you do like quote unquote the right thing, um, which is yeah, I, I think that that certainly is fine in most games like because obviously you're playing games generally to relax you don't want to constantly deal with moral quandaries of <laughs> is it right yeah. to uh <laughs> like, what is this video game saying on the human condition yeah like <laughs> I obviously i don't fun, want that to be most thesis. games <laughs> 
but having it be present in some form and in different things is very fun. Uh, all right, so we'll do one more round, Wyatt. What mm -hmm. do you got for us? All right, as as many of you know, I don't like Destiny. <laughs> Join the club. Oh, where is this going? However, the most frustrating thing about Destiny is how it occasionally does something really, really cool, mm -hmm. and then either screws it up later or never touches it again. And specifically, what I think is really, really cool that they did when um, when Forsaken came out was, um, you know, the first team that was like, there's, there's always that big, whenever a new raid comes out, there's always that big rush to like get to the right level and get through the raid and, and you know, figure out all of its mechanics and be the first uh, fire team to, to do so, right? What was really cool was because of how narratively um, the, what was that raid called? Was it Last Wish? Is that what it was? I don't remember. For Forsaken, yeah, that was the Last yeah, Wish. Last wish. wish. What was really cool was the first team that successfully completed uh, Last Wish then unlocked a new uh, strike for everyone in the community as a result of what happens in the story of, um, of Last Wish. Which is such a cool bit of like um, world building, and it's such a cool way to tell a story to a community of people. Where hey, these people that you have no relation to other than you play the same game achieved this one thing that no one else did, that then unlocked content for everyone else because of they, the story. They 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 do that with um the the Black Armory questline as well, and uh and the Scourge of the Past raid. That is correct. However, I think. Things like that needs to happen more. And that's besides the point. That's really, really cool um, that it's a, it's this really interesting way of storytelling where like it may be something that you had nothing to do with, but the game changed because other people are in this universe with you. It makes yeah. the world, the MMO world that you're playing in feel a lot more alive with other things going on that aren't revolving just around you. And it's so, so cool. And I wish... You know, either Destiny would do more of that, or other sort of like uh, always online games would do something similar. Well, it it happened that. with the new, uh, not not season with the new yearly expansion that they did with uh, Beyond Light. I know, but just more of it, I guess. I I, I don't know. I just I want more because <laughs> it's such a unique way to uh, to set up a world to make it feel. Like I said, to make it feel really lived in and like there's other things happening. Is that all you have to say about Destiny? Before I start um, yelling at it again, yes. <laughs> all right, great. I was kind of opening that if anyone else had anything to comment, but I guess not. We'll I mean, <laughs> we'll just yeah, I, I think MMOs in general do really good at, well, can do really good at um, getting the idea across of like being part of something, like part of a larger whole. Uh, I, a lot of MMOs run into the issue of like the way that instantly gets broken is seeing someone running around with just like the a weird username, <laughs> like a Ninja Slayer seventy nine or something like that, and you just go, "Huh, that's not a name," <laughs> and then you're immediately <laughs> taken out of it. But that's not a real. Uh, I I don't know about you guys, but. Uh, seeing a person named Anna Bray's thighs does not take me out of the immersion uh, destiny. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when, when MMOs can can work, 
Uh, and I know Destiny doesn't quite fit the MMO definition as nicely, but um, when they work, especially like through raid storytelling and whatnot, you can get some really cool. Another moments. another good example of that was um, uh, World of Warcraft with the Gates of Encourage, which was a really interesting kind of like global event that um, kind of involved everyone in the community that changed the the game in a certain in a certain way. Well, I mean, really I think the uh, the ultimate answer to this kind of thing is um, Final Fantasy fourteen original, of like the reason an entire game was remade is because of the player base. Like, uh, Noclip did a whole sequence of documentaries on it, so I don't need to go over details. Oh. You can obviously go there if you want to learn more. Um, but, like, Final Fantasy fourteen now, people think of, like, oh, that's, like, the WoW competitor that's doing pretty well. Originally, it was the Trash Fire dumpster game <laughs> that was absolutely <laughs> horrible <laughs> and felt like a game from 2002 that released in 2012. Um... But because the community w was passionate about Final Fantasy, and specifically uh, something that uh, the director has said before, Yoshida, that really sticks with me, is that the reason that game was remade is that like they knew that kind of failure in the Final Fantasy franchise could spell the end of Final Fantasy like trust-wise. It's a classic mm -hmm. example of like uh, CD Projekt lost a lot of faith because of Cyberpunk, but uh, they knew if they, they could rebuild that faith, people would be a lot more happy in the future. That's why people are like super excited for 16 Final Fantasy 16 cuz so what you're saying is they're going to nuke the entirety of Night City and then yep. rebuild it as part of the as part of as the part of the narrative. Like that that's the point I was getting to is that like it was remade and that is canon to the game based on events that happened in the real world. Like almost going to that defiance. I was just to make that that connection again. Yeah. Of like events that that players kind of uh, orchestrated of of the game needing to to be remade in that way, and then suddenly them remaking it and it becoming really good <laughs> and having a lot more power um, and it being a lot more unique. I think just just a cool little thing that happens. You could see maybe a TV show doing that. I don't think movies would ever really do it. Um, I don't know. Maybe Star Wars can prove me wrong and remake the the sequel and prequel trilogies, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt that. Well, as long as Kathleen Kennedy is leading the project, then they should. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Alex, you got something for us to get us off of this awful train <laughs> of oh, Kathleen Kennedy. Boy. Okay, let's see. Um, somewhat similar to the the known These are kind of blending together again. Um, actually, this this kind of. I, I guess that's kind of destiny as well at, at some points if if you're stretching. Um treating lore and story like a book uh that you just have to read. Completely. Oh, so this is a bad example. <laughs> Getting Yeah, I you didn't say they all had to be good. I did not. You're right, oh. I did not. <laughs> well, it's I, I don't know, I might be describing it uh incorrectly cuz there are, is I I I'm playing Morrowind right now and the lack of voice acting and stuff it's there, there's still you know also the the fun little environmental secrets and easter eggs and things like that it's morrowind's really a collage of what i've been saying um well i think like morrowind has the benefit of at least with lore wise there are books in the world like you yeah. go to a bookshelf and read a book and that, like that's a lot more effective to me than having yeah, to open my phone and go to look my grimoire, grimoire cards on a phone yeah. app yeah 
Um, yeah, yeah. Get, getting into the the uh, books, either in games or book adaptations of games and things like that, where where lore is explored. Um, yeah, can can be interesting. Can be done absolutely horribly. Yeah, um, can be done well too, though. Yeah. No, Halo, I mean, um, classic example. Yeah. I mean, good example of, of having that done well, and it's not just through books, but um, obviously, Dark Souls does is like the classic example of of having to read, having to, to to take the time out of gameplay to kind of figure out what's going on. But I think, I think the problem that that Destiny had with it is that it wanted it wanted it both ways. It wanted to, it to have like a central story with like you know uh, cutscenes and stuff like that, but it also wanted to have lore that you kind of had to hunt down and, and search for and the problem is is that unless you're really really smart about it those two types of storytelling don't mesh well together so you'll have this like central story with like cutscenes, and it's very kind of um you know in your face it's very much part of like the main gameplay but then it'll reference things and, and have things happen where if you're not caught up on the lore you don't know what's going on <laughs> and and it was never made clear to you that you had to to do that yeah. You know, characters will pop up or villains will pop up. Perfect example, you know, not going to spoil too much, but ending of Forsaken, which I thought was probably one of the best, like, consistent stories, central stories that Destiny has had. And then it was kind of ruined they by completely the completely toss it out. <laughs> yeah. No, it was... Oh. Don't even... No, no, I'm going to stop. I'm yeah, let's, stop right we would, there's so many tangents that could happen about Destiny right uh, now. But, I mean, I get yeah, frustrated when any game does that. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's just it wanted it both ways. It wanted to have a nice kind of like central story, but then also all this lore that you had to hunt down. And again, that traditional narrative and that like having to hunt down the information and the lore and everything. Those again, unless if unless it's done well, those two don't mix together very well. <laughs> so, all right, Brett. All right, I feel Brett in this chilies tonight. <laughs> so i don't i don't know the right word for this either so i'm going to go into a into another driveling explanation again um <laughs> but that's what we do here one of <laughs> and i really there is only one example of this that i can think of um movies knowing that they are movies books knowing that they are books games knowing that they are games they they are different things but a game knowing that it's a game if you do it right is pretty awesome and like every everybody knows this so this is not you know unfortunately a spoiler anymore um but like psychomantis Psycho making me making me put my controller on the floor and then telling me that he's going to move it towards the screen and then the controller vibrates. That's adorable. And I love it. (laughs) And him telling me that he's going to read my memory and tell me that I like playing Suikoden or whatever is on the PS1's memory card. Like that is, that is awesome. And nothing else can do that. Like no, no, no movie character can look at you and be like, "Oh, I know you like this movie," because there's going to be like sixty people in an audience or whatever, yeah. and it's going to be completely different for all of them. But that, like, that weird, like, art form of, of the canvas being a thing that, like, can have other things saved to it that could possibly be made by the same company, and having them interact in that sort of way. 
like I, I I can't think of any other examples of it, but maybe you guys can. But like, you know, you you always you always hear about it, but then you experience something like Psychomantis yourself, and you go, it it just it just puts a smile on my face, man. It is it's so cool. It's so cool. I also love. Uh, I think this is Metal Gear Solid Three, where you're fighting one of the bosses. You're fighting. He's an old man, and if you just yep. leave, you just leave your console yeah. alone, or you crack you you crack it open and you um, mess with the internal clock. The man will just die of old age. <laughs> yep. If you leave, if you leave your console alone for seven days, once you start that boss fight, he just dies. That's amazing. <laughs> or, That's amazing. Like I said, if you go in and mess with the internal clock and like trick it, it's it's fantastic. I don't know. I think it's far more effective when you you haven't played the game in like six months. You turn it on and suddenly the boss you were fighting is dead, and you're like, "What?" That's amazing. <laughs> it's just wild. Uh, yeah, super cool. Um, and that laid the groundwork for the horrible, horrible uh, time time blocks that we see today in all of our favorite mobile games. So, yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Kojima. Yeah, going, going back to what Barb was talking about, I would add a Nier does similar things. Uh, Yoko Taro in general tends to lean towards that kind of storytelling. Um, I, I'm not going to spoil what it is because it's pretty late into Nier Automata, so I'm not going to say the specific circumstance, but there is a moment where it goes like, hey, player... <laughs> <laughs> you're you're doing a thing right now. <laughs> what do you want to do? Um, and yeah, that's always super fun when it's it specifically worked into the story. And again, like I mm-hmm. mentioned that with Bravely Default earlier, is Bravely Default also kind of acknowledges that the player is a thing at a certain point, and it's very interesting to see. Uh, another good example, Control does that. Oh, uh, true. It's way, way more subtle about it. Well, it is and it isn't, but uh, the main character is basically describing how there's this other like just being this thing that helps her a lot that kind of aids her in, you know, whatever she's doing. And again, you don't make that connection at first, but after a while you're like, Oh, right. They're probably talking about. Yeah, me. It's like, <laughs> oh, eventually right. she, you start to realize that she's just kind of describing what the player is doing. And then you're like, huh? Yeah. And often, and oftentimes it's like when, um, cause if you go back and replay it again, you'll notice like whenever she addresses you, they often try and have her look directly into the camera. Because uh, she's kind of looking directly at you, they do that a lot uh, as well. Not to the point where it's very obvious, but like they do it enough where it kind of stands out in the back of your mind and it gets you thinking about it a little bit. All right, Wyatt, I need your your last one. I'm saving mine to end us on a, a nice, comfy note. <laughs> I yeah, don't, I um, don't know what you're about to pull out, and it's it's making me afraid. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, as we alluded to earlier, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, and there, uh, I will say, 99% of the side quests in that game um, are the most boring garbage that I've ever seen. Uh, there's literally just one where you kill rats. Are you telling me you don't want to play Whack-A-Box more? <laughs> some exceptions like Whack-A-Box. However, <laughs> however, there is one side quest that goes on and on and on, and it was super annoying, but there was a really cool moment where... Um, you, they asked you to make certain decisions and the outcome that you'll get from those decisions are based on how much you've used certain materia and how, how leveled up your gear is. So it can kind of, um, and it comes out of nowhere. They don't use this in any other part of the game. So it's such a, it's, it's a huge surprise when it happens, but certain outcomes to that side quest will only occur if you like, if your materia is of like a higher or lower level. And I love being able to uh, bring in 
the player's like current stats into making a decision. That's more than just like it's more gameplay related, and it's not something like oh, in Mass Effect, have you been making like Renegade or have you been making Paragon decisions? It's it's more of like the nitty gritty sort of systems, and specifically in this case, it's combat systems, and how that can influence the story and not just what what choice you make in the moment, which I thought was really cool. Absolutely, uh, Yakuza is another franchise that that does that fairly often in side quests. Of so you'll have like moments where. Uh, a, a classic one is one of the Yakuza side quests. You're talking to someone who you learn later is a member of the the, the National Diet, which is essentially the lawmaking group in Japan. Uh, and you have a conversation with him about what like what like a fair tax rate is. <laughs> and you if you <laughs> if you learn things from either the game world or real life Japanese history, uh, you can suggest to him the 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 proper thing that's happened in Japan of like the tax has steadily risen. To be kind of not quite absurdly high, but pretty high, uh, by like raising one percent every five years. <laughs> oh, it's just a fun little um, thing. And there's of course like bits where you need to get someone a plushie from a, a vending machine, but you might have gotten that plushie earlier by doing certain things. So, just cute yeah. little moments. It, yeah, it's really about like decision making that's involving more systems than just picking the picking a decision or like kind of judging the the choices you made leading up to it but it's more like incorporating gameplay systems into it which is particularly effective too when it only happens once in a game like i I think that's what really makes it stand out too is it's not something that's consistent it'll happen once hit you out of nowhere and then you'll never see it again and be like huh like in something like a uh, recent example, Cyberpunk does that, where you can make certain decisions based on like if you have a certain skill that's like ranked up enough. But that happens. That that's a pretty common occurrence in in main missions and side missions. But in something like Final Fantasy, it only happens once during this one excruciatingly long side quest, <laughs> where it just comes in out of nowhere. I got to throw something in there. Uh, all right. Anything else to say on that topic, anyone? Great. All right. No. So I want I want to end this <laughs> off by by giving a major acknowledgement to all the games that I, we're talking a lot about non traditional storytelling and like philosophy and very unique ideas. I want to give a shout out to all the games that don't do that <laughs> because sometimes <laughs> sometimes all a game needs to be is escapism. And mm-hmm. man, I've been having a lot of fun playing Earth Defense Force Five, and that game is nothing but. <laughs> proper cheese and it is, it's a playable b movie basically. it is it is more than it is starship troopers except you when you shoot you can pilot a giant mech with a pile driver and uh, you know that's <laughs> all <laughs> sometimes that's all you need in a video game uh yeah just the games that don't try to necessarily do more i think a lot of the time people will consider those to be lesser than those games that are trying to make like a big philosoph- philosophical statement. Uh, and I just fundamentally don't agree. I think there is plenty of room to have the greatest B-movie game <laughs> that exists right alongside things like The Last of Us that are, are pushing uh, ways to do like incredibly cinematic storytelling. And then we just have something like Thomas Was Alone, where you're a box that scrolls across a platformer level. So... No, just big shout out to games being very unique and uh, the games that, that know what they are and don't try to do more. Yeah. Certainly have their place. And you can uh, make that you can make that argument with any type of 
media, right? I mean, for movies, it's like, yeah, it's really important to have these uh, these movies that have really interesting allegories or saying interesting things like if, like something like Parasite. But then it's also just as okay to watch Marvel movie number 2567B where you just there's a bunch of CGI stuff punching each other and they're both incredibly valid as, you know, as existing in in the same yep. <laughs> type of N- never feel bad for liking something that either other people don't like or don't see the meaning in because look, Ace Combat games are a lot of fun. <laughs> As long as you get something out of that experience, that's all that matters. It's oh yeah, ultimate. totally. And, and Look, if I don't you're, think you need if, to get anything out of it. Just <laughs> it—that's the thing. If you're not into like huge, you know, brain-teasing philosophical storylines about torturing characters and commenting on the human condition, dude, that is why. Like people, people can all those YouTube essays can lie to you as much as they want. Games are meant. <laughs> games are meant for people to have fun playing them. Does every <laughs> game have to be necessarily fun? No, it can be difficult on purpose. It can be this, like, one aspect can be stupid on purpose to make you think about something. But as a baseline, games should be fun. Just just, just go snipe people on Halo 3 for, like, yeah. 45 Game, minutes. Games that don't... Yourself. Games that aren't fun only work because most games are fun. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I just wanted to end this on that note and just make sure that, like, if you're a game dev and you're making a game that is just about uh, playing, I don't know, Solitaire, and maybe the Solitaire has dragons involved, and there's no greater story there. You're just playing Solitaire with dragons. That's totally valid. I'd play Absolutely. some Solitaire with dragons. So... <laughs> I don't know why that got me in the mood for Mahjong. Mahjong. <laughs> Everyone I mean, is always look, in the mood for Mahjong. I mean, look, boomer shooters are still a huge market, and those games aren't about nothing other than just acquiring some really cool looking guns and shooting things. With and them. they know it. That's perfect. And they fully embrace it. All right. With that, we have we've done it. We've made it to the end of another episode. In fact, we made it to the end of our 50th episode. And guess what that means? It's time for shoutouts? No, it means absolutely nothing. The 50th episode doesn't matter at all. But, (laughs) yes, Alex, you're right. It is time for (laughs) shoutouts. Nothing. You win nothing! Look, you lose! When we get to 100, then, then you get something special. At 100, something special happens. You're all right. That's a promise. Even make it to a hundred. Oh, <laughs> our viewer base is going to remember that. Oh, Eric, I'm sure they will. <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> all right, that's right. We're we're just. I really outs. hope he's in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Alex? That means you get to do shoutouts first. Okay. Um. You know what? I almost entirely forgot today. Happy Pi Day. Uh, on the day oh that we're recording God. this. Oh, I did wow. completely forget about that. <laughs> it's pie. It, it, now it, I want it, pie. It, it, Happy pie day, everyone. I don't have any ingredients to make a pie. I know I'm sad. Well, that's entirely on you, Ryan. Yeah, You're that is. We even went to the grocery store day. earlier. We did. <laughs> I, right. I made an egg pie. I have a quiche with me. Close enough. Great. <laughs> I'll let it slide. <laughs> Oh, now I want key lime. All right, Brett, you got a shout out. <laughs> uh, shout out to um, 
Wild Arms 5 for being better in literally every single possible facet than Wild Arms 3, which made me very angry. But 5 is making me very happy. So I'm, there, there you go. Whoa. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I gotta give a shout out to these... Uh, the grocery store earlier, I picked up some uh, dark chocolate espresso beans. Haven't Ooh. had those in like years. Just as good as I remember them to be. Nice. Those beans never get old. Those, those beans never get old. All right, Wyatt, <laughs> what do you got for us? Seeing as I have been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, I do need to uh, give a shout out to the best feature in the entire game, the darts mini game. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> You've been waiting. <laughs> You've held that in your back pocket for a while now. <laughs> but I didn't mess that one up. Watch out for next week when our episode is entirely about darts mini games. <laughs> are there right, any? Isn't joking. You know what's going to be? Are there the any in Yakuza? Oh yeah, there are many darts mini games in Yakuza. Every dar- every Yakuza Perfect. game has a darts mini game. We can actually literally do that. <laughs> <laughs> My God. All right, Wyatt. Anything else about your darts mini game? Um, no. <laughs> All right. No. All right. <laughs> well, we'll that it means there. it's time for us to go. As always, podcast airs at seven a.m. Tuesday mornings, or live on Twitch Sunday nights at eight p.m. Eastern. Have a good day, everyone. Check out the YouTube if you haven't, and sub there so we can get numbers, because uh, we would like to be able to change the channel like, link so that it actually says Double One Radio, instead of uh, a bunch of letters that are random. So, <laughs> that'd be great. Good. On that note, have a good night, everyone. Good oh, and I guess the combat in Final Fantasy is good. But not as good as the darts mini game. And certainly not as good as Gouda. Yeah. But, but, I mean, what is at the end of the day? Gouda has risen to be probably my favorite cheese. Really? Yeah. I mean, look, as someone who grew up in Cabot, Vermont, uh, Cabot 